It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Sports. I'm Tom Barton. Sitting in for the first hour, Tim Unglesby will join me in hour number two. Lots to talk about today. This is a cool time of year. This is a cool time of year as we head into a brand new month around the country. Obviously not in Las Vegas, but around the country. Things are starting to get a little bit warmer. We're starting to feel you know, the summer approaching in Las Vegas. It was a weekend that will always be remembered. The NFL draft was there. Everything that I'm hearing is, it was just, people just had a fantastic time. It was an event unto itself, and it's really cool. We will get into the draft. We're going to break down the draft in depth. Raiders fans, don't worry. We're going to get into the Raiders picks. We'll get into the day one picks, obviously. I'm sure you guys heard a lot about that. We'll give out some draft grades, but we'll also get into day two and all of the second, third, fourth, fifth rounds, all of that. We're going to get into it all in hour number two when Tim is going to join me. I know he's happy about his Ravens picks. I'll talk to you about my Bears picks. We'll go over who gets A's as a couple of good teams. Some teams drop the ball. Big time NFL trades as well that were made and some trades that weren't made are all going to be on the docket for hour number two. But Right now, we have a lot of other things going on. Major League Baseball is heating up, of course, but I don't think we're going to get into too much Major League Baseball today because we're on the precipice of some playoffs. Yeah, try to say that five times fast. So we want to talk a little NHL playoffs, and we may have to push that off until tomorrow because we're going to start with the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs do start tomorrow, and I want to get into that. Guys, if you want to talk to us, if you want to write us, hey, you can always give us a call at 876-1340. If you want to write us, make sure you go to Twitter. HW Sports is Tim's Twitter. That is Heatwave Sports Twitter. Mine is at Tom Barton Sports. We like to answer everything on the air. So if you're somebody that doesn't want to call up, you don't want to interact that way, no problem. Go to Twitter. We will talk to you on the air or through the Twitter account as well. For me, please go check out TomBartonSports.com. Go check me out, of course, on Twitter at TomBartonSports. And I do have a YouTube channel, guys. It's Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. I could use all the clicks and all the likes as I try to get that up and going. I just talked about the NFL draft recently. And, you know, we will get into uh, what that was all about. A lot of betting situations. I know that a lot of guys in Vegas, a lot of uh, sports books just flat out hate it because there is an advantage to the players. So I want to get into some of that, but I do need to start with the NBA because the NBA, look, the NBA had a little bit of a letdown in round one. I'll be honest. It came into the season and we came into the season over the last couple of years, actually, where it was almost ho-hum, here we go, Lakers, Nets. I mean, that's the way it was. It was almost a foregone conclusion. This was going to be the Lakers and the Nets and Oh, it's going to be a boring year. And well, some way on the way to a championship, the Lakers completely fell. LeBron James tenure in the Lakers and for LA is absolutely in the trash. He has failed and failed miserably. Do not talk to me about a championship. LeBron James has won nothing with the Lakers. LeBron James has done nothing with the Lakers, but submarine them. 
And look, you know what? That opened up the door for a lot of other teams, specifically the Phoenix Suns. And now as we move on, a couple other teams have a chance to kind of knock them off. Same thing with the Nets. Kevin Durant puts together a super team. They were supposed to do it last year. And the excuse was, well, you know, they didn't play together. Everybody was hurt. All right, no problem. We'll run this thing back. Well, I, I mean, you want to talk about the drama of the Lakers, and Lakers have plenty of drama. How about the drama with the Nets? James Harden gets traded. Ben Simmons never suits up. There's all kinds of messes, and they get eliminated in the first round. Now, coming into the playoffs, and that was going into the season, and the season played out where, hey, look, you know what? Those two teams are out. Going into the playoffs, we were supposed to have the greatest 2-7 matchup ever. Boston swept them right out of the building. Boston humiliated. Boston humiliated, humiliated the guy that I've been told for the last five years, the best player in the sport in KD. Now, I've never thought that. I always thought it was Giannis. Uh, but the guy that I've been told is the best player in the sport and Kyrie and, and humiliated them in a four game sweep. We also look down the road and we go, okay, well, what about these other teams? What weren't the Sixers supposed to be in just an awful position? Wasn't it supposed to be the Sixers were just done? Right? Oh, come on. The Sixers are dumb. The Miami Heat? Uh, you know what? The Heat were a, were a bubble team. They just got hot when they did it. They won without Butler the other night. They closed out the series without Butler. How about the Bucs? Uh, nobody's talking about Giannis, even though he's putting up MVP numbers. Uh, you know what? Their defense just isn't that good. Yet all of that wound up in the first round going, uh, ho-hum. A little ho-hum because how the series went. The matchups were nice. But how the series went, we didn't get a game seven. No game seven. It's Saturday night, okay? We're sitting here, and there's no NBA on. During the NBA playoffs, on a Saturday primetime night game. That's a shame. I mean, that is that is a dropping of the ball, literally and figuratively, for the NBA. Especially during a draft weekend like this. I know so many people were in town in Las Vegas, and you, you're there. Oh, man, if you had a big NBA game, imagine you had a game seven right now. People would be going nuts. How many people would be going insane right now for a game seven in the NBA in Las Vegas? Oh, that would be awesome. Well, not to be. How about in the Western Conference, right? The Suns, yeah, they got pushed a little, uh, but uh, I think most people are going to chalk that up to Booker being out. All right. Good, good, nice little, little golf clap for New Orleans, little golf clap. But other than that, it wasn't overly exciting. The Mavs, Mavs got there in a unique way. But overall, the Mavs were the favorite. They were supposed to win. It got there in a unique way because of no Luka. But when Luka turned around and wanted to play, Luka turned around and was the guy. Grizzlies got pushed a little bit. And I think the Grizzlies are probably the best story. 56 games during the year they won. Then John Morant goes out there and tells everybody, hey, look, I am a superstar. But is he? You know, I'm not sure. He had a superstar moment. But didn't Trey Young have superstar moments last year? This is where the proverbial rubber meets the road because the Golden State Warriors, well, they looked fantastic. Golden State lost one game against Denver, against uh, the two-time, most likely two-time reigning MVP. Uh, yeah, I'm not chalking that up at anything, but but just a bad game. That's it. Steph Curry's coming off the bench at this point. Uh, Green looks good. Clay looks good. Poole looks fantastic. Here's the series, though. We can talk about certain things, and this is what I'm going to talk about about tomorrow's games. In tomorrow's games, what we have are two of, in my opinion, two of the top 
maybe the top two, maybe the top two, but probably two of the top three or four players in the sport going up against guys that want to be there. The next generation, the next grouping. Steph Curry and Giannis against Jason Tatum and Morant. And that's really when we start to see that next step up. Everyone's already anointing John Morant as the next guy. Oh, man, look at that. Oh, he took that step. Oh, watch what he did. You know, I'm not I'm not ready to do that. I think he's got the potential to. And by the way, when he was coming out of college, I said I would take him number one overall. I'm a big fan. I, I, I was a huge fan in college. I love him coming out. I like what he's done. This is in no way to say that John Morant isn't a, a great player. But everyone wants to put him in that superstar status because he made a good play. Because he made a good play in the play series that ended that. But we watched that with Trey Young last year when everybody wanted to annoy Trey Young. John Morant needs this series. He needs to take down Golden State. He needs to take down Steph Curry. He needs to do that. That jumps you into stardom. Into superstardom, I guess we're talking about here. That jumps you into superstardom. If you go out and you lose to the Warriors and you look at Golden State tomorrow, they're a two-point favorite. They're supposed to win this series. I think they handedly win this series. I think they they win the series in five, maybe six. I don't think they have a problem with this. But prove me wrong, John Morant, and all of a sudden you're a superstar. You gotta get to a conference final to be to to put that label. And really, you gotta you almost have to win that to be considered that. Which then brings me to Jason Tatum. You know, myself and Chris Wynn, I, I was doing my SGN show, uh, Wanna Bet weekend edition on, on Sunday, about two weekends ago. And I was previewing the Boston series. And I said, look, I like Jason Tatum. And I do. I'm a big Jason Tatum fan. I said, but he's not a superstar yet. And we went over the definition of what a superstar is. And what is a superstar in the NBA right now? Well, I don't, I don't think Jason Tatum is a top 10 player. And I think you have to be a top 10 guy to be a superstar. I'm not sure Jason Tatum is a top 15 player. But what I said was, you know what? Jason Tatum will be a superstar in this league if he's able to beat the Nets, which they just did, and Tatum, you want to talk about John Morant having you know, a game-ending move that we'll always remember. How about Jason Tatum's game-ending move that we'll always remember? That was something to behold in game one. So he disposes of Durant, Irving, and the Nets. If he's able to then go out there and do that against Giannis, are we kidding? All of a sudden, Jason Tatum, well, that's superstardom for you. Now you could start discussing Jason Tatum inside the top 10. I don't think he's there yet, but you could start discussing it. Now, Boston is a four and a half point favorite tomorrow. They're supposed to win the game. The number's 217. It's actually a pretty high over under when you consider that the Bucs have looked like a top 10 defense. They held uh, you know, a team to 86 and 91 points in two of the first three games. They look like a number one defense, and Boston certainly looks like a number one defense. I sort of lean that under. If you're looking for a play, I sort of lean that. But I, I think that this matchup series tomorrow, both of these matchups, really the secondary conversation of is Tatum and Morant now superstar status against guys like that are established like Giannis and Curry really need to be highlighted because this is when we start to watch it. And I always give the example. You know, when LeBron came into the league, and I give LeBron a lot of BS, you know that. When LeBron came into the league, though, we knew he was going to be special. We, we, we knew. And it was, 
okay, where is the ascension of LeBron? When Jordan came into the league, he has his moments, but when was going to be the ascension? You know, they all have that moment, that time. If you want to go to different sports, did we know Brady against the Rams version one? Did we know that he was going to be the guy? No, it was kind of the ascension. And you need that moment. You need that play. You need that drive. You need that touchdown. You need that home run. You need that big strikeout. You you need that game-winning shot. Now, Tatum and Morant have put that on their resume. Tatum and Morant have that big playoff game-winning shot. They also have big playoff wins. Let's not forget that John Morant's team is 24 years old, the youngest since 1951-52 since they've been talking about it, to, make a, uh, to have the second-best record and, and win a playoff game. Here you go. So John Morant and Jason Tatum have won playoff series already. John Morant and Jason Tatum are sitting in a position where not only have they won playoff series, they've ended games with just spectacular moves that we're going to watch on highlight reels forever. And don't think that that doesn't mean something. That's the ascension of superstardom. But I still think that Giannis and Steph Curry are standing in front of them. If all of a sudden we turn around and let's just say, you know, it's Bucks Miami or Bucks Sixers and, you know, Steph goes on and wins against the Suns and whatnot. And, and we're sitting there and we're going into a game seven between Giannis and Steph Curry. Giannis looking for a repeat. Curry and the Warriors looking to what they do, what they do. If we're doing that in a couple of weeks, a few weeks, do you think that this is the Jason Tatum and John Morant playoff series? No. It's not going to be remembered like that. If John Morant, hey, you know, it's a growing situation. Jason Tatum, same thing. But that didn't move you into superstardom. It didn't. So when you go into these series, you have to really believe that these two players are being led and really sit back and being led by the notion of we're willing to overcome. We're ready to overcome, I should say. You're ready to break this up and to break up the Bucks. Hey, we beat you. You're ready to break up the run of the Warriors. Right now, lines makers say Warriors minus two on the road. Boston minus four and a half at home. I think if you're going to bet the other way, you know, if you're taking Boston, to win this series. If you're taking the Warriors to win this series, if you're taking if you're taking the Bucks or the Warriors to win these series, I, I think that's chalk. Yeah, they should win. But do you believe you have to? If you're taking Boston and you're taking Memphis, you have to believe Jason Tatum and John Morant are ready to take the next step. You have to believe Jason Tatum and John Morant are going to put this game on their backs. The NBA is quite different. The NBA is like, like, like a really good starting quarterback. You have to believe that that player is going to put this team on their back and do it all. Because while Boston is surrounded by other players, including the defensive player of the year, Tatum's the guy. And Tatum has to be the guy in this series. Giannis is going to get his, guys. Giannis is going to get his nearly 30 points. Giannis is going to get his. But there's no Chris Middleton. There's almost no excuses. For Boston. Milwaukee loses, you go, you know what? Look, number one defense. We didn't have home field advantage, home court advantage, and we had no Chris Middleton. There's no excuses for Boston. The little upstart that just beat there's no excuses. By the way, Boston's been the best team since mid-January. 
And then you go to Memphis. Memphis has home court. Memphis has John Morant. And I know most of us are going, yeah, Warriors are going to win. I feel that way too. I think the Warriors win this series. I just said, I don't know if they win even more than a game does Memphis. But if you want to buy into Memphis and you're buying into John Morant, then you are buying into the ascension of John Morant. That is what we're looking at tomorrow. I think they're going to be two absolutely fantastic games tomorrow. This is a playoff series that I, you know, both of them, I'm real interested. I like to watch the young players try to knock off the, the old guard. I like to watch greatness, and I think we have the ability to have greatness here with many teams. But this could be the ascension of Boston just taking over this East. The Bucks could win back-to-back. The Warriors, look at the talent that they have, and maybe this is the ascension of the Grizzlies, very potentially. All right, let's take a quick timeout. When we get back, I want to talk about the games, the other games that I didn't talk about in the NBA, and I want to talk about basically, I want to kind of reset the playoffs here, look at what we're looking at. Okay, we got the Brooklyn Nets out of the way. That was the conversation everybody wanted to have. We got Utah, Denver out of the way. So we'll kind of reset what do I think? What do you guys think? We'll get into all that and more right after the break, right here on Heatwave Sports. And now back to Heatwave Sports. Here's Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Heatwave Sports. I am Tom Barton. You guys can check me out all over the place. I got a couple of podcasts. Wagering Week is the podcast, Sports Garden Network production. The other one is Believe in Betting. That is B-L-E-A-V, another sports garden production. Tomorrow morning, I'll be on at 11 a.m. I'm actually going to have Chris Wynn on talking about the NFL draft. Uh, that's on Sports Garden Network. I'm also going to have Josh Taylor on talking about Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers from CBS Pittsburgh. He's going to join me tomorrow morning as well. You guys want to check those out. Um, and for you, listen, listen, I do have a YouTube channel I want to promote. I want you guys to go check that out. TomBartonSports.com is absolutely crushing things. I, I cannot make this stuff up, guys. It's all monitored. It is all out there for anybody that wants to see, that wants to go check it out. Um, I have been almost as hot as I've ever been in my entire career right now. Over the last 30 days, I'm 25 and 10 over the last 30 days. Um, yeah. So you want to get even hotter than that? Because I do. How about over the last 14 days? Over the last 14 days, I am 14 and two. That's 88%. 88% over the last two weeks. If you sign up at TomBartonSports.com, you're going to get every single play that I select, every single sport that I give out, everything that I do, you're going to be able to go get at TomBartonSports.com. Um, just just to, to break it down a little bit more for you guys at TomBartonSports.com. Major League Baseball this year, I'm 16 and four. That's 80%. The NBA, we're getting into the NBA playoffs, right? The NBA playoffs, here we go. 17 and six this year in the NBA, 74%. And maybe you guys are, are NHL guys, right? You only won NHL. Uh, how about 28 and 14? My worst sport. And I'm hitting 67% in the NHL. That's TomBartonSports.com. You sign up, it's only 100 bucks. I don't do I don't do any of this stuff where upgrades, commission. No, no, no. I'm just giving you guys my plays. That, that's it. You go to a website every day, and the plays are up there every day. It's that simple. 
Um, also, uh, the last uh, plug here, believe in the Ivy League. I do an Ivy League podcast for those that want some Ivy League stuff. All right, let's get back into the NBA here. So tomorrow's game is going to be very intriguing. I do think it is uh, the ascension, right? Is it, is it time to anoint John Morant and Jason Tatum? Well, it's time if they knock off Giannis, who's going for two in a row, and Curry who's back healthy, and the Warriors. It is not an easy road to climb. Not an easy road to climb. But listen, neither was what they just went up against. I know Minnesota had a playing game, but look, they're they're a good team. And obviously the Brooklyn Nets and what the the Boston Celtics had to go up against, everybody thought they were going to lose that series. I mean, come on. All right. So on Monday, Miami comes in as an eight-point home favorite massively elevated line massively elevated line against the Sixers and what we have with the Philadelphia 76ers well why why is that an eight-point line the eight-point line is because of this before the playoffs began I told you guys I thought that the Sixers who were at 16 to 1 in some books were the best bet that you could make I like them only because it was a good value, right? I mean, I thought the Sixers at 16 to 1 had a chance. But the caveat that I can continue to put on this, the caveat that I kept telling everybody and kept saying over and over and kept saying at nauseum, and I'm sure everybody else understood, was that I just couldn't make that bet because I didn't believe in Joel Embiid being able to stay healthy. For whatever reason, the guy just can't stay healthy. He's 28 years old. He's got a body of about a 70-year-old. Okay, he just can't stay healthy. So first of all, well, first of all, it was the thumb, and it was okay. Here we go. It's a thumb injury. It's a problem. He's out with the thumb. What is this going to result in? That he is out with the thumb. What's this going to be? Uh, no, I'm going to play through it. Okay, you know what? Look, you're going to play through it, and you hear people going, "Yeah, they're going to slap at the ball. They're going to try to knock it out. They're going to try to make him scared underneath with that bad thumb." But I gave Joel Embiid credit. I'm going to play through this injury. I'm going to try to get the surgery after the year. All right. Okay. His ineffectiveness was seen early on, but nope, nope, nope. In the closeout game, he absolutely went nuts, 33 and 10. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. He was fine. And then all of a sudden, he's out. He's out indefinitely now because what the team is calling a right orbital fracture and mild concussion. Apparently, he suffered the injury uh, defending Pascal Siakam with about four minutes to go. He immediately went to the bench. The play was reviewed. Um, Siakam got an offensive foul. But the Sixers were up by like 20 or 30, 29 points at that point. So, Embiid came out, didn't talk to the media. Nobody thought much of it. All right, you know. And then Embiid was evaluated by specialists Friday night. They said, okay, this is bad. Orbital fracture is not a nice thing. Um, and he's going to be out. Now, surgery has not been determined. He's going to be evaluated again next week, guys. And they asked, one of the sources said, is he going to return? Well, that door isn't closed yet. That's not a ringing endorsement. That's not a sure he's going to be back. Don't worry about it. No, and you're talking about next. He's going to be reevaluated next week. Their first game is Monday. Okay, 
So when you say reevaluated next week, let's say they push the timeline up. All right. Let's say they get aggressive and they push the timeline up and he's reevaluated Friday evening, right? That's that's next week. That's already game three. Can he come back by next Sunday for game four? I mean, that's that's an optimistic timeline. The Miami Heat are consistently underrated. The Miami Heat have been eliminated in the last two playoff series to the teams that eventually went on to win the championship. The Miami Heat play a style of basketball that can frustrate people. They can play good defense. They had a very good offense this year. The Miami Heat don't they, they don't have that surefire stud can't miss top 10 type of guy. But Jimmy Butler plays that role at times. At times, Jimmy Butler certainly steps up. They didn't even have him last game, and they won as a team. They are a team, and they're a good team. There's a reason why they are now massively favored to win the series. There's a reason why they're game one at home. They're eight-point favorites. I mean, Jimmy Butler is a guy put up 45 in the series, put up 36. But you know what? Robinson had 27. and Hero had 24. Oladipo had 23. Three different guys in five games led this team in scoring. That's what they do. Bam led the team in rebounds twice, Butler once, or Butler twice, and Deadman once. Three guys in five games led the team in rebounds differently. Lowry, Butler, and Bam in assists. Three guys in assists. This is a team, guys. Robinson, Butler, Hero, Oladipo, Deadman. Bam, Lowry. They all led at some point in a five-game series. Five-game series. They were all led. Now they're going to be at home. They're up against a Sixers team that is reeling. They're injured. They're reeling. They're without their big men. And here's the thing. Now all of a sudden, all the pressure goes on James Harden. And I think Maxi at this point in his career is probably the more impressive guy, you can say, in the playoffs, in this point in his career, in this situation. Is he the more counted on guy? Look, the numbers will say that, sure. But no, that's not really the case. Harden has to be the guy. And that's scary. That could be scary for Miami. Because Harden has the ability. Look, James Harden got old overnight for us. Just It seems like James Harden all of a sudden just got real old, real fast, overnight. But James Harden still has the ability in his game. He still has that offensive profile in his game to go absolutely nuts this series. Because now you don't have to worry about giving the ball off. You don't have to worry about reining your game in. No, just go nuts. Problem is, he hasn't done it. And he hasn't done it really since he's been with the Sixers. Not with any consistency. This playoff series, he's been terrible offensively. Now, look, he's got, he had 15 assists in one game, 7, 9, 10, 6. He's got a different kind of offensive profile. And the 5, 6 rebounds are nice. 22 points, 15 points. 22 points, 19 points, 14 points. You don't win games with that. You're not going to win games with that. 
Field goal percentage, 58%, 36%, 29% field goal percentage when he got his 22 points, 53 and 33. Terrible. There's a reason, again, why Miami's an eight-point favorite. But I think that there is that scary notion that James Harden might have that last burst left in him. And if you can get something out of Maxi, maybe they could steal a game here or there. But that's where we're at. That's where I am at with this Sixers team. Saying, series? Ha! No chance. No chance of the series. Can they steal a game? A Philadelphia 76ers team that came into the season with hopes of a championship. A Philadelphia 76ers team that for most of the year, we all just kind of said, yeah, Joel Embiid's winning this MVP award. For most of the year, he was the betting favorite to win the MVP award. They make a move for James Harden. And the feeling was, okay, different Sixers team. They're going to be unstoppable. Look at how good this team is going to be. Wow. Wow. Then Maxi steps up and starts becoming a player, and you go, okay. Now they have multiple offensive weapons. Now they have multiple outs here, multiple different facets. This is a team that can do things. This is a team that can win. This is a team that isn't just a one-man show, although we all believe that obviously riding the ship had to be Joel Embiid. And what has happened? James Harden has been basically nothing. We just talked about points and everything else, right? In four of the six games, Joel Embiid was high in points. In four of the six games, Joel Embiid was high in rebounds. Joel Embiid is is, is that guy. Now, you sprinkle in Harris with a couple of rebounds. Maxi led with 38 points in the first one. Um, Harden looking really good with the assists. But that's the problem. Harden's assists, 10, 12, 15... They are impressive if that's what you need James Harden to be. Who is he dumping it off to, guys? Who who is he all of a sudden going to give it to underneath the basket? Who does Harden – forget about what the team thinks. Who does Harden believe? James Harden's out there going, I'm the guy. I could go out here and score 45 tonight. You think James Harden's going to pull it back to start dumping it off to Harris and Maxey? If you do, then you haven't watched James Harden's career. He is a volume shooter. (laughs) And that is as nicely as I could put it for James Harden. A volume shooter means he wants to just fire away. And when he starts firing away and he's hitting 33%, you're not winning those games. All of a sudden, James Harden becomes the number one. We've seen what happens to James Harden number one led teams. When James Harden is the number one option in the playoffs and he's the guy, what has happened to his teams? Well, James Harden's got no rings in that position. James Harden doesn't have a lot of playoff success when he has to be the guy. And that was when he was a young, spry kind of guy. James Harden looks like he's about 45 years old out there. James Harden got old fast. And I like that he's facilitating. I like that he's trying to be unselfish. But now, all of a sudden, he's got to change his game. And he will change his game. And I think that's why the Sixers can steal a game. Because I think that there will be a game in the next five where James Harden goes nuts. 
And James Harden puts up a stat line of 30, 12, and 6, you know. Stat line of 33, you know, 14, and 7. I mean, he's going he's gonna to fill it up one game. One game. Rest of the games, hey, James Harden might get 25 points on 38% shooting. And the, the Sixers will lose by 15 points. There's going to be a lot of that out there. So I don't have a lot of faith in the Sixers to win this series at all. I don't think it's an inflated line. I don't think Embiid is coming back. I, I, I don't think any of that. I'm not a doctor. I don't have inside information. I'm just telling you from the history of what Joel Embiid has shown us and these kind of injuries, what they've shown us. I don't think he's coming back. You know, maybe there's going to be a triumphant return in Philadelphia for game three. I just don't see it. And if they're down 0-2 in that spot, pff, might just mail it in anyway. Sixers are done. I'm calling them done. Done now. And I'm certainly not taking them tomorrow. I don't love Miami minus the eight tomorrow because there is that Harden factor out there. Harden scares me a little bit. But he might look old out there. And you got to remember, look, Miami just won a game without Butler, who was banged up. I, I don't know if he's 100%. I don't like laying the eight. But I think Miami gets by. I think they win the series. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we do, Luca against the Slims. Booker, is he back? What's the situation with him? CP3, can he finally get over the hump? We'll talk about all that and more right here on Heatwave Sports. Now back to Heatwave Sports with Tom Barton. All right, guys, welcome back. Heatwave Sports, our number one. We are talking nothing but NBA. Hour number two, we're going to get into the NFL draft. Also, you guys want to jump in part, oh, part of the show, 876-1340, Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. Well, we've gone over all the series, and the, the series that has the least, I guess, juice here might actually turn out to be the best series, and that's the Mavericks against the Suns. You know, funny things happen on the way to getting here. The Suns, 64 wins. The Suns looking unstoppable. The Suns are just the team to beat. The Suns are ready for a championship. I mean, that was the conversation. That was generally the entire conversation. And then all of a sudden, we turn around and the Suns struggled against New Orleans. And I made mention to this. I made mention to this quite a few times, that since the C.J. McCollum trade, the New Orleans defense was a top 10 defense in the league. And the Suns play a good style of defense as well, right? Of course, the Suns play a good style of defense. Um, but they struggled a little bit. Not, not, not so much to be alarming, but they struggled a little bit. Booker was out. Okay, that's a built-in excuse, sure. But I don't think anybody watched that Sun series when they were 10.5-point favorites to start, 11-point favorites in Game 2, and continued to be big-time favorites. I don't think anybody watched that series and said, the Suns are clicking. The Suns look good. The Suns look like the team that won 64 games and, and led everybody. Nah, nobody was doing that. We all watched that series and said, oh, 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 okay, this is the Suns? This is the Suns? Now, I mentioned the problem with the Suns, and I know about Devin Booker, and I understand the problems, and I understand all that. But I had mentioned the defensive problems or the problems they had getting by a a competent defense and it was a top 10 defense with CJ McCollum but they were not a good defense over the course of the year they're about 19th overall and CJ McCollum was only there for less than 25 games 
Um, but they did play nice style of defense. I mentioned that because Dallas's defense is fantastic. Dallas's defense without Luka for the first few games. First three games, no Luka. Luka comes back, leads scoring, three straight games. So you could see the offensive impact he has. But he also uh, led in assists, in assists all three games. Also led in rebounds two of the three games. You can certainly see the offensive impact that Luka Doncic has. But defensively is what I want to talk about with Dallas. Because they were going up against the number one offense in Utah. Now, you could tell me Utah was a fluke. You could tell me you don't like Utah. You could tell me year after year this happens. You could tell me that Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, is a great player performer, but he didn't have a great playoff series. You can tell me that Rudy Gobert is not a good number two. You can tell me all of these things. I am giving you straight facts that over the course of the year, the Utah Jazz offense was ranked number one in the NBA. The Utah Jazz offense, when they go home to Utah, gets even better. This defense of Dallas, without Luka for the first three games, shut this Utah offense down cold. They held in a loss in game one. They still held them to under 100 points, 99 points. The next game, they won 104. Offensive explosion in game three, 118. Held Utah to exactly 100 points in game four in a loss. Utah to 77 points. 77 points in a game five. They held the number one offense in the NBA to 77 points in a game five. And in a closeout game, a game in Utah, a game where Utah had a 10-point lead in that game late, Dallas's defense held the Utah Jazz, the number one offense in the NBA, to 96 points. 99-104-118-177-96. That is impressive defense. Massively impressive defense. And I bring up Phoenix because they had defensive problems. You can't sugarcoat what they did against New Orleans. And again, Dallas's defense is just flat out better than New Orleans' defense. Make no doubt about that. New Orleans held Phoenix, let's see, 110, 114, 114, 103, 112, 115. There was no offensive explosion. Held them to 115 or under in, in just about every game. I mean, there was no offensive explosion for New Orleans against Phoenix, a New Orleans team that had to play a playing game. A New Orleans team that probably shouldn't have been there in many people's accounts. And I'm not here to slight Phoenix. What I'm here to tell you is that Luka Doncic has the ability to be the best player on the floor at any given moment. You want to talk about ascending superstars? Oh, he's there. You want to talk about absolute superstars? He's there. You want to talk about top 10 players? He's there. And we just talked about these guys becoming, well, you know what? It might be their series. It might be Jason Tatum's time. It might be John Morant's time. Hey, this might be Luca's time. We all knew it was coming. I mean, we all knew Luca time was going to eventually happen. He's that good, that young. We knew he was going to take over the league. But you need those big playoff wins. Now, the Dallas Mavericks got out of the first round. They got out of the first round without Luca for most. But when he came back, led every single game in points, let every single game in assists, led two of the three games in rebounds. 
But that was a Dallas Mavericks defense that got them out of the first round. They're going to need more than just a defense. They're going to need Luka to step up. And when you look at the numbers, it's not an impossible task. Luka could step up, win this series, move on, and this could become the playoffs of Luka. Now, on the Phoenix side, look, Phoenix is five and a half point favorites tomorrow. They should be. They're a 64 point, a 64 win team that won 32 games at home this year. They should be a five and a half point favorite. Over under set at 214. I think it's a very, well, this is on Monday. I'm sorry. Over under set at 214. I think that's a, a very fair number. I think line makers nailed this. But if you're the Suns, do you feel comfortable in this game? If you're the Suns, are you sitting back and saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is an easy series against Luka and the defense just just absolutely suffocated the Utah Jazz? Are you sitting back and and feeling comfortable? Absolutely not. A 64-win team against a Dallas Mavericks team should be massively nervous. I think the Heat, like I said, are going to kind of waltz through. I'll give the Sixers one game without Embiid. One game. I think that, you know, I think made my made my case very, very clear where I'm not sure that Memphis wins a game. I think the Warriors march on. I think that Boston-Milwaukee series goes seven. And this is the series that is forgotten about. This is the series no one's talking about. But you can get pretty good plus money with the Mavericks. Now, I am not bold enough to go bet against a 64-win team that has home court advantage. I'm not bold enough to go bet against a team that in the Suns, look, let's be honest, we thought they were all going to get to at least a Western Conference championship, and I still think that they do. But I'm starting to take hard looks at the game and the game preparation and the game plan and what I saw from the Suns and the Mavericks. I don't think there's that much of a separation. I don't think it is a wide, huge gap that we're looking at with the Suns and the Mavericks. I don't think that you're looking at a four-game sweep here. Could it happen? Sure, it could. Do I think it will? No, I don't. I'm looking at this Mavericks team and I'm saying, I think they certainly steal a game. I think that this goes at least six. And if this goes seven games, I know Phoenix is at home, guys. But if this goes seven games, even with Phoenix at home, are you betting against Luka in a game seven with all the pressure off his shoulders and onto Devin Booker and CP3? Oh, I'm not. I'll be on Luka plus the points in that game. So we do have a really interesting playoff series coming up. Playoff series that I expect big things out of the Bucks and Boston. I certainly think that the Suns-Mavs could get interesting. Heat Sixers, if Embiid gets back, can get really interesting. And Warriors-Memphis, look, I, I'm the only one that thinks it's going to be a, a boring series because I just believe that much in the Warriors. Memphis is only a two-point favorite or two-point underdog at home. Anything can happen in that game. So that's a little NBA talk. We are going to sw- shift gears here and switch it over for hour number two. Tim Unglesby is going to join me. We're going to start talking about the NFL draft, go deep into it. I want the best grades. I'm going to ask him about Who did the worst? How did the Raiders do? And these quarterbacks all fell so late. It was just a matter of keep watching them fall and fall 
and fall. We'll get into all that. Plus, how was Las Vegas? How was the hoopla around it? How did everybody handle it? I love the dudes with every Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey on that one, the draft weekend for me. We'll talk about all that more in hour number two, right after this, right here on Heat Wave Sports. <laughs> 